0: for 20% off
1: and what's up everybody welcome back to the O2 podcast Paul and I are here tonight and it is Sunday but you guys are getting this on Wednesday Paul how's the weekend
2: you know it's good man uh I got I got a new toy this weekend. My I uh, I got a new smoker, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. My wife and I put that together. Uh, currently, it is at about I don't know 450 degrees with a bunch of wood in it, trying to get uh, all that press grease and all that stuff burned off. So, looking forward to that, man. Can't can't wait. Hopefully, we're throwing some I don't know fall turkeys or. A venison crown roast or something. I don't know. We'll figure figure it out. But yeah, that's what uh, that's what I've been doing the last couple hours, man. What are you up to, man? You, you I, I, so we've been recording these. We've been we have a new TikTok page. So our TikTok is O2 Podcast, just O2 Podcast. Put post our first video. I'm gonna put this stuff. You got a little Fred Durst vibe going on today. And for our younger Gen Z uh, listeners, Fred Durst. Google him. Limp Biscuit, a freaking rock legend. You. With your beard and your hoodie and that hat on, look like Fred Durst, my friend.
1: Didn't even think Very about that. It's Very my, proud of you. It's my Indians hat. And, yes, they're Indians to me. Always will be Indians as they Guardians. I'm um, <laughs> watching this baseball game. So,
2: yeah.
1: Uh, uh, what do we do? Set a little bit out in the woods. Not a whole lot of uh, activity. You know, I had one thing happen to me last night that was new. I, I had gone into a property I haven't been on yet this year. And I was kind of texting you about it, but, um, i first of all, I'm about a day late on, on all, everything I do. I get in there and then, like, it'll be either the day before or the day after is when the deer come in. So, um, I think it's one of those things. There's no signs that I'm really screwing them up, although the story I'm going to tell you, I'm, I definitely screwed them up in, indirectly. But, um, so that's been about my luck as of late. Anyhow, so I go into this property, it's new. Um, Honestly, I don't think it's been hunted a whole lot. I hate when people try to describe maps and stuff on on a podcast, But basically, huge five. 500- tried to do that. What's that? <laughs> I'm gonna try. We tried to do that. Yeah, we tried. We we failed miser- miserably. Just picture five hundred acre cornfield. Well, technically, it's two fifty corn, two fifty beans, but the corn's about half cut. There's a a grass driveway, a levee with like a little berm, you know, just a little hill and then it goes into river bottom. And, uh, so basically what I think, if I understand any of this stuff, I have bedding right next to food. And I just assumed when I went in yesterday, when I was coming in, I came down that grass road. So my scent was all blown out into the cut corn and like, there's still some standing out there. So I know there's food out there one way or the other, whether it's laying on the ground or still on the stalk, but Um, the wind was all blowing out that way. I come in over the levee. I have this little path cut in. The tree is not, it's not probably even 20 yards into the, into the woods. I'm trying to catch them just walking on the other side of that levee where it's cool and wet and everything. Well, as I'm climbing up into the tree, I can, I thought I heard like two or three kind of blows, you know, off in the distance. Um, it wasn't. Real intense though. So I was like, eh, maybe I'm just hearing stuff as I'm, you know, my clothes swishing back and forth or something. And uh, so I got set up there, and literally a half hour later is when I texted you, and I'm like, what the hell? Because all of a sudden I got blown out by two does that were right behind me in my wind, and they were walking that ed- field edge, and uh, they just got behind me. So I think, and the more I thought about it, is. I did. I, was, I basically walked right into their bed, um, even though it wasn't that far. They knew something wasn't right. They circled downwind of me to try to figure it out, and they pinpointed it really, really well. So they kind of did that, and that was about all the action. I've had a decent buck coming through there right at 10 minutes, 15 minutes before um, end of shooting light, so I was hoping to capitalize on that, but didn't happen there. And then a little short sit out back tonight. But nothing there. You're
2: you're you're going to run into something good down there in Circleville. Or well, yeah, That's
1: you're hard. gonna
2: you're you're gonna run into something nice.
1: The uh the you know the problem is just a little bit of a drive. So it's one of those places like I'll probably only get down there two or three times in the year. Uh, and I yeah. gotta gotta make sure times up. This one I had a little bit of time yesterday to run down there, so made it happen. But yeah, it's all good.
2: Yeah. So before we before we dive in too deep, I want to say thanks to our partners of the show, Go Wild Months. They released hundreds of brands, uh, onto their shop on go wild website app. Uh, so just, just some of the, some of the brands they've released, I mean, hundreds of brands, thousands, literally thousands of products available on their website, tinks, primos, Allen, Hawk, trophy taker, lacrosse trophy Ridge. They got all sorts of bear archery products on there. Not can buy bows, crossbows on, on, on their wildlife research center. So you need to send control cryptic hunter specialties, all sorts of good stuff. So, Time to go wild.com, download the app. They got the shop button on there. Sign up, get 10, uh, 10 bucks free. And also they're doing like a double, uh, double your rewards points because of the of of all the new, you know, the thousands of products, so you can get to get to your rewards quicker uh, via the app. So so check that out. So Tinks, just real kind of, kind of sidebar. I met at the ATA show in Columbus, and this would have been in like 2000, oh god, 10, maybe 12. Tinks, the guy that owns the 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 deer. Send company or whatever. And so this guy's like, I don't know, man, five foot tall, literally, I mean, five, five max, and he's got this cowboy hat on. He's got this Texas button up shirt. looks like the Texas flag. And and I was down there working with a game call company. And there was a there was a company right next to us that was passing out these free shots. It was called Strut and Rut, Right. So there were these energy shots that looked like they were in like 12 gauge shotgun shells. And so I was helping these guys out passing shots out. So this guy, Tink, was always coming up and he was down on these shotgun or these these little shots of, of these energy drinks. And he asked me, Andrew, he said, Andrew, or he said, Paul, do you know why I call my my product Tink's sixty-nine? No, Tink, I don't. And I knew what was coming. Like this old man had just just set me up on a team, was getting ready to hit me out of the ballpark. And he leans over and he's because like, I want to be the mother ever that invented the 69 He grabbed that drink and he took off running. him last time I ever saw him. So that guy is a legend. Uh, you can buy his products on go Wild. So uh, also thanks to tethered uh, for their support of the show, tethernation.com They got a lot of stuff in stock. Uh, you know, you can still get into a system still practice. It, it took me a little bit to get used to it. I'm getting better. Uh, I am hopefully going to go out sometime this week. I'm starting to feel better. Andrew, I think I can, saddle up a tree and, Can your, uh, your and nose can hi- handle the higher elevations I, yeah yeah so the the thing that really is is kind of affecting me now and if you've had this this sinus surgery uh during the colder months you might know what i'm talking about is the cold air i mean when i breathe in that cold air because my sinus is still, you know, still really sore and tender it really is uncomfortable so uh Yes, but hopefully uh, this week I will have some time to get out uh, in that saddle. I'm gonna have to shoot my bow tomorrow. I'm gonna do that uh, probably in the evening. I'll be in Indiana tomorrow most of the day. But yeah, tethernation.com. Get your uh, get your saddle on. Uh, that's a good that's a good line. Write that one down. Get your saddle on. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so firstlight.com. Also, I'm I'm sitting here wearing my catalyst vest uh, for whatever reason. Uh, man their whitetail sale is ending 20 percent off get on on their all of their specter uh gear is on sale 20 percent off right now landers so that's uh, i think that
1: might be done good. by the time that we release this but keep an eye out that stuff happens every once in a while so yeah always good to jump in there but um what else about, man let's go around and look at the update on some of the seasons that have opened we've perhaps missed a little bit of this i apologize i my brain kind of gets in a one track one track mind uh this time of the year so paul i can't believe you even let this happen but october 8th we opened up the fall turkey season fall
2: turkey yeah i you know i was in a weird a weird state last week
3: you were foggy uh,
2: yeah it was a little a little foggy but yeah fall turkey hunting is open in select counties it's not all the counties you'll have to check your regulation book to see the counties that are open. Uh, I'm going to do some fall turkey hunting, hopefully this week, definitely this weekend. I'm going to go up uh, with with one of my uh, people that I've met through the National Wild Turkey Federation and do some fall turkey hunting with him. I cannot wait. Uh, if you want to listen to the, the same guy that I'm just talking about, myself, we did an interview with uh, Mitch from the PA Woodsman that's going to come out. So you can check out his, his podcast. It's going to be it's all about fall turkey hunting uh tips tactics tricks uh you know he the, the guy i'm going with brett he uses dogs i man i can't wait so and
1: and speaking of really, Mitch, really uh congratulations mitch uh, cuz i think you're yeah, on that on that dough yeah, got some meat in the freezer got got all the the kinks worked out so you're ready to go yeah he's
2: he's he's on the board man so uh rough grouse also opened on october 8th public land and private uh, it does stop earlier on public land, so be 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 uh, cognizant of that. So, rough grouse October eighth to November twenty seventh on public, private ground October eighth to January first, twenty twenty three. So, just uh, keep those keep those dates in mind. So, small game coming up uh, November fourth. We've got some waterfowl. Uh, waterfowl is open in the marsh zone up north, man. You guys are up there killing, killing ducks. I saw a listener of the show. Johnny Schwartz had a, had a couple of woodies talked on Instagram the other day, Johnny, congratulations on those. Uh, and if you are a duck hunter, a goose hunter, whatever, waterfowl hunter, deer, turkey, doesn't matter. Uh, don't forget we're doing the O2 hunt camp. Feel free to you know reach out to us on, on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, uh, not Twitter, excuse me. I don't know the password to that, but uh, Facebook, Instagram, go wild, all those
1: uh and you know, try try to get you on the show. So
2: Excuse I'm me. excited.
1: You're right, Fred Durst? Yeah, I'm good. Uh so yeah, I think that oh American Woodcock, that also opened up on October eighth, so um, and closes November twenty first. In case all yes, those woodcock yes it, hunters yes it if, did. If you were wondering. So uh let's see, news from around the state, Paul. I've got the updated deer numbers. So I think this was through let me get that exact date. As of October 13th, yeah, this is different than last week, I think. We're up to 20,487 total deer. We've got 7,101 antlered, 13,386 antlerless, and the king of the counties is... and Has to be, right? Yes. Back-to-back weeks. You know, it's funny. Uh, I got I got a text after I read that last week and uh, it was like Coshocton County with all these King crown emoji things. I was like, Oh boy, here we go.
2: Oh yeah. There you go. So we need to, we need to like dedicate
1: uh, like a, a,
2: County captain or something that if, if, if your County wins uh, the deer harvest, we'll get you like an O2 championship belt, like from WWE. So, uh, you know, the other thing uh, listeners, if you were, if you were out there and you, you've been hunting in the DSA. So we've got Harden. Wyandotte and Marion counties. Uh, I I'd, I'd like to see what uh, what it's like up there. If you're seeing a lot of deer, if you're seeing any any prevalent issues of of chronic wasting disease, if you you know if you've got if you've harvested a deer and it's tested positive for CWD, uh, I'd love to hear uh, you know about your experiences. So feel feel free to reach out. We'd love to love to hear what you're seeing up there. So I will be up there very shortly. Very shortly. I got that two week uh, controlled hunt and and uh, uh and the DSA up there so I'm looking forward to that that's exciting I can't wait for you to go up there so I drove one of one of the other uh, controlled hunts I I got I drove by my area my little zone and there were six deer in the field there were two bucks one of them like was outside of his ears but he wasn't huge I mean he's still pretty young but good deer the other one was just like a little basket rack six or eight I couldn't really I couldn't really tell but uh and there and there were a bunch of does running around so seeing a lot of them i just got to get i got to get out there man i've been I've been in a been in a hunting law. i've been i've been lolling like the bucks uh here in october so any other good news i don't think so it's kind of just a slow i know those schmucks uh the, those walleye cheaters we saw they got charged with four uh four counts three felonies one misdemeanor they're looking at some potentially pretty serious uh serious shield time a lot of fines and hopefully they're never fishing or hunting, uh, in any state in this great country ever again. So I don't know. We'll see.
1: Okay. Bye. So one of the, the press releases I got, I'm not even sure what this is. I'm going to read it and maybe it'll make sense once we get done. It's not that long. So just bear with me, but it's called haunted houses, terrifying tunnels, and other scary stories. Do you believe in ghosts? The Ohio department of natural resources is getting into the spooky spirit with campfire stories about some of the state's spookiest spots. People know about ODNR's beautiful outdoor spaces, but they may be less familiar with the mysterious backstories that go with some of our historic properties, said ODNR director Mary Mertz. We're excited to get into the spirit of the season and teach a little lesson about these places all at the same time. Fiery Embers set the scene for the stories, which will be released once a week through no- October. Telling the tales is Hawking College Professor and renowned co-author of books like Haunted Hocking, A Ghost Hunter's Guide to the Hocking Hills and Beyond, Pat Quackenbush. The first story is told, first stories told is that of Seely Rose House in Lucas, Ohio. The home near Malbar Farm State Park was the setting of a triple murder in 1896. The house was home to the Rose family, David, who operated a mill on the property, his wife Rebecca, their son Walter, and their 23-year-old daughter Celie. In June 1896, Celie poisoned her family with arsenic over their disapproval of her infatuation with the neighbor. Uh, to find out what happened next and why some say this site is haunted, watch the video here. And there was a link. So I'm sure this is on ODNR's website, but if you're in the Halloween mood and want to hear about some of the creepy places around the state, here you go. Uh, and that is a story I've never heard, and it's kind of... Um... So is it
2: C-L-E, Seely? S E E L Y Seely House? C
1: E E L Y Deely? C C E E.
2: So I'm, I'm I'm intrigued. I mean, L-Y. damn, Seely. I, mean, I was listening. <laughs> that escalated real quickly yeah what a hundred some odd years ago so yeah, she wasn't even depressed have you have you been yeah. to the have you been to the moonville tunnel no you told Celeski? me about it yeah so there's there's a bunch of you know tales that that go along with the moonville tunnel and if you if you've hunted or, or hiked or camped in celesia i'm sure i'm sure you've heard it but it's pretty neat i i've never i don't know i don't, I don't get scared you know down at the moonville tunnel i mean it's 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 pretty it, it's it's intimidating like it's just this old structure that you know in the woods like you, you can find you know in zaleski and inventing state forest down there uh you can find like these old abandoned structures you know from like from the from the iron ore operations and you know there's old telegraph lines and i mean so there's some really neat stuff in the woods down you know here, here in ohio i guess you just have to be willing to look for it and uh like there's, I, I found it, it's funny. So if you Google vent and furnace on Google maps, it'll pull up and there, there are pictures, you know, like you can add pictures and there's like, I, they're, they're brick, but I don't know if they're like brick ovens. I'm not sure what they are, Uh, but there's like these, this structure this like abandoned town in vent and furnace. And there's like these brick little domes. Um I don't know. I'm an idiot when it comes to that stuff, but I I found those down there and someone put someone else found them and put them on on google it's pretty neat but here are all sorts of ghost stories about you know moonville tunnel and Vent furnace and the hope iron furnace there's you know a, a, a
1: lantern so thank you spectrum internet for a lot huge spectrum allowing us to drop out but we're back okay and we're uh now gonna continue our our introduction here and we've got uh we just cut done covering the spooky places of Ohio, and don't forget Mansfield Reformatory because that's a huge. Number. That's a
2: good one. Yeah, so, I haven't been there. I've never been there. I've been to the
1: Moundsville one uh, in West
2: Virginia, but never to. I drive, I drive past it
1: all the time. So yeah,
2: all right. It looks pretty neat looking.
1: Other news around the state: we've got our continuing to get our vibrant colors uh, display, all the leaves, right? And uh, I'll tell you what: I I don't care anymore. I'm ready for the leaves to fall off the trees so I can see further in the woods because. Yes. I've seen
2: enough orange and red trees. I'm ready.
1: Yep. Time time for no more leaves. So uh, that's an update. If you really want to find out, go to ODNR. What's the website? I think the only other thing that I really thought was uh, interesting. uh, There's applications open for ODNR summer internships. So any of you young folks out there looking for an internship, uh, you can apply at ODNR's website. It looks like through December ninth. So
2: there you, you know, go. Good Internships. Yes it is. So ruts coming up. Pre rut, man. You getting excited?
1: I'm real excited. I have a thousand and two things that I need to get done yeah. before I can just kind of focus on that. And this happens to me every year and I don't say no to anything and the next thing you know my calendar's full and I'm trying to But you know what, you know what it does though? It keeps me from burning stands out any more than I already do. So I don't know. I want to go out and explore some, some public land just in again, but. we got to get
2: that third doe out of the way for you so that you are fully, fully focused on
1: shooting antlers. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I still, I'm starting to get more buck activity on the cameras. So that's good. That's a sign. Uh, even some within shooting light. So it's not like it's just the middle of the night, but
2: <sighs>
1: I just, yeah, I was sitting in, the I'm tree- seeing,
2: I'm yeah. seeing definitely seeing more, more bucks. Yeah. I was sitting in the, the tree tonight
1: and, and I was just looking at my calendar and it's like, you know, whether it's picking kids up, dropping kids off, work stuff, soccer practice, football practice. My brother's playing in a, he's got a show this weekend at nationwide arena. He's opening for some band called camp or something. I don't know. But it's at Nationwide, so I hopefully get. I gotta go down. Good for him. Go see that. Yeah. So it's it's you know it's those kind type of things that we're trying to get figured out. How about you, Paul? You ready?
2: I'm ready, man. I uh, I definitely I want to get something in the freezer quick. I I I mean I've only been out twice. I've been so damn busy, Uh, but I am I am looking forward to it. I've got a lot of really good, you know the the DSA hunt. The I've got three controlled hunts uh, that I'm, I'm I'm fortunate enough to participate in. Uh, actually, excuse me, four, four controlled, controlled hunts. Uh, someone invited me on, on, a, on the a fourth. So I am really, really uh, I've got high, high hopes, high expectations for uh, my deer, my deer hunting season this year. Waterfowl is going to open up. I'm going to do a lot of that. I really enjoy that obviously fall Turkey. So I just like being in the woods. I like killing stuff. I like eating stuff, uh, man. I, I, I will say I am excited for, I mean the rut's just so fun man I mean they're running all over the place like they're just you know it's just cool you know it's a it's a fun time to be in the woods so i okay. you know we talked to we talked to you know our, our our upcoming guests about um you know kind of hunting before the rut you know when when the pressure's highest and you know i heard i heard kirk Eyer the WCB cB guys they were talking about uh you know kind of their their best best days to hunt none of them are in the rut they're all in the pre-rut you know, last week, October, I saw a stat. I don't, I don't know where I saw this, so I can't really, um, I can't back this up. But it, it, it was the, the deer kill totals, like for each day across the country. So the, the, so there were more deer killed on what day? Just pick a day. So I'm going to say from October 20th until the end of November, what day had the most deer killed? Halloween. So Halloween was number two. October 25th, my birthday, was number one for for deer for deer kills i was like damn that's that's pretty sweet so told my wife uh i'm going to be in a deer stand on my birthday this year there you go turn 40 in that tree saddle so oh body you're we're getting old i know 40 man 40 years old 30s are over put uh put a pin in those I'll tell you what, man, I, I growing up, I remember in my 20s, people always say, oh, my third, my 30s were better than my 20s. And that is a true, true statement. Uh, I really hope that, you know, my my 40s are going to be better than my 30s, man. I hope it just keeps getting better with age, right?
1: Yeah, there you go. So this week's um, guest is Tony Peterson. And I, I know we've had TP3. This, <laughs> TP3. He is the third timer. he's right behind Gage Hall. So uh no. which gauge gauge hall got another deer up there did we talk Dude, about that ga- i don't know if he did gauge no we didn't gauge killing deer There's, man there might not first, be any first deer, buck no deer left in northwest ohio well none for his dad is,
2: is is old b hall on the on the board yet
1: no but now it's his turn right so okay there we go yeah, yeah get the youngster
2: out leave his ass at the the house next time Uh oh, funny but the, that's uh, awesome
1: tony peterson is back and i know i anybody who's like oh no tony peterson again on another podcast He's on a lot, the dude. But you know what? It, it, I'll just tell you, he's he, on a lot because he's good. He's good at communicating. He's good, he's good at, at talking about deer hunt. He's good at killing deer. The dude is so down to earth and generous with yeah. his time. I mean, yeah, he, I can't say enough good things. Uh, we try to have a little bit of fun with this. It's not all, you know, grinding deer talk. There's some, some, you know, humor as well as some kind of insights on Joking different around. things. Yeah, uh, but it's good. It, and Tony's. He's the man, and I, I really, I appreciate his time, and I, I hope everybody follows along with him because he is, like I said, super, super down to earth uh, when it comes to all this stuff.
2: Yes, he is.
1: So, uh, as far as finding us, we've got uh, go wild. It's uh, the O2 podcast. Our website, the 2 podcast dot com. We got some shirts and stuff up there for sale, and then. Check.
2: TikTok, O2 Podcast. Yep.
1: Paul's running the TikTok side of things. There is a Facebook. Don't really care about that. Um, b- 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 Patreon. If you guys want to support the show, we've got patreon.com backslash, I think it's forward slash, I can never remember which one it is, the O2 Podcast. And yeah. Is that it? It's
4: all good.
2: I think that's it. It's all good. Good luck yeah. if you guys get out there in o- the woods. Yeah, O2 Hunt Camp. Keep them coming, man. We've enjoyed... The interaction coming in uh, on instagram and, and 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 go wild and all the socials keep it coming we love hearing that uh you know walleye fishing is getting you know fall walleyes getting in send us send us some walleye pictures in and man keep keep them coming
1: sounds good i appreciate it appreciate everybody for listening and we'll talk to you next week see you guys All right. What's up, everybody? Uh, tonight, Paul and Andrew are here, and we've got our special guest, Marcus Badger. Marcus, is that, is that how you say your last name? I apologize.
3: Yeah, yeah, Badger. I always tell everybody I like the animal, but not like Wisconsin because uh, I'm from Michigan. so <laughs>
1: uh, uh, We won't hold that against you. Uh, but yeah. this is one of the most cool, unique stories I've ever heard, and I'm just going to tell it from my side of the story here. Marcus took down a really nice buck, so spoiler alert. Uh you know, we have to bring on guests for that because Paul and I can't get it done. But the you reached out to me one day randomly and he said, hey, man, I, I really like the show, man, uh, I'm, I'm I've am i got this new property I'm hunting and I I'm, I want your advice on this. And I'm sitting there. And I think I was in the tree stand when you, when I got it. I'm sitting there thinking, does he know I just killed does like I shoot the ones without <laughs> antler? I don't have any fun stuff hanging on my walls like. And, and we kind of talked about that and you're like no 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 i, I want to hear what you had to say and I don't know you sent me a couple maps back and forth and you know it's really hard but you know like well the wind's coming from here but man you had that, that where you was bedded and different things and i'm like oh, i i guess I would sit about there and then a couple hours later i got this this message from you and you're like i I just hit him at like five yards i i don't want, i want you to tell the whole story <laughs> right but that's what I was getting and I'm told paul oh, that's pretty good. I told Paul, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I said, man, either I worked with this guy and he ended up taking down a massive buck, or I'm getting catfished right now by some internet troll. So, <laughs> in the deer world, I, I wasn't really sure. That well, was number
3: one. Right.
1: Oh, my yeah. gosh. Once you sent me those pictures, my heart was, I probably was as excited as anybody. But, yeah, great
3: deer. Yeah.
1: Marcus, tell us. Yeah, man. I
3: appreciate you, man.
1: Tell us the story. All
3: right. I guess, uh, I've been in, I've been in Iowa for eight months now. I've been trying to get out here. Uh, I don't know. Finally, the wife signed, finally decided to, to agree to it. We sold the house. We moved to Iowa eight months ago, uh, sold our house in Michigan and bought a similar house here. It's just way cheaper and, uh, there's bigger deer. Um, yeah, I guess, uh, it all came together, man. I, I found a, there's a gentleman at church that serves on a team with me and, uh, He's an older gentleman. His brother owns some property a mile down the road from me, and uh, he said, "Hey, go knock on his door and see if uh, he let you hunt." So I did that, and he was all for it. He said, "Kill some does for me," but obviously, if you see a big enough buck, they get excited, shoot it. Well, he had one property that's uh, I think it's like 420 acres, and he's got one that's like 81 acres. Well, I had been hunting the, the bigger chunk, and I seen some nice ones in the morning. Um, that were just, they were just too far away. Uh, I felt like I'd been pressuring that too much, so I decided to go to this 80-acre chunk. I think it was on a Tuesday in the evening. I walked in there like 4 o'clock, walking through the corn so none could see me. I jumped up a doe, and I jumped up this buck. Uh, could see him, clear day, walk away from me. So he didn't see me, didn't smell me, but he definitely heard me. So I just stayed right where I was at, hoping maybe he'd come back, and I wouldn't make any more noise. Snuck out of there. Well, two days later, the wind, I looked at on lunch, and the wind had totally switched to what I needed. I needed the wind to blow south so it would blow right back in the pond. Wouldn't blow anywhere near where this buck was. It's just one section of timber in between two cornfields that aren't cut yet. And uh, so I just needed that wind to blow back in the pond. I snuck in on the east side. um, So where my wind was blowing perfectly back in the south. Um, I was going to sit in the back corner of that cornfield um, where Andrew and I were kind of talking about. But I was like, you know what? I'm feeling froggy. I'm going to push a little farther. Uh, I knew right where I was like, I hope he's bedding in this spot. Cause that's where he was bedded two days ago. And, uh, I didn't think. Too much. Well, I seen this heavy trail with a a buck rub. Like, I mean, it was six, eight inches diameter, big old buck rub and a heavy trail. Um, there's a little opening of grass planted there. And I was like, you know, what? I'll just sit right here on a log. Didn't cut any shooting lanes. Didn't do anything. Just sat there. Um, it was like four o'clock when I got in there just after rain. Um, Really windy, so it was pretty easy to be quiet I didn't jump anything and then uh I don't know something something told me just to be ready you know at five o'clock, so I got on my knees and uh sitting on my heels, had my bow in my hand, and I wasn't even really you know thinking of you know watching for deer strict because it wasn't deer time, you know it was five twenty five early October um but I still had my bow ready, and out of the corner of my eye, I just see this buck come trucking down the hill across the green fields. And I thought he was going to run away from me a little bit, so I tried standing up, and my right leg had fallen asleep because I'd been sitting like that for too long. <laughs> so I couldn't stand up all the way, and luckily he cut towards me, right up the trail at me. I mean, like, if I wouldn't have shot him, he would have stepped on me. That's how close he was, but just because he was on a little trot, not scared, just on his normal routine, I, I didn't move. I was just already in, in motion to where I could draw. He, uh, he, you know, I had no movement, so nothing triggered him to jump or anything. I didn't even have to stop him. I shot him in mid-stride, and like I said, it was five yards to where I hit him, and I knew I hit him perfect, but, I mean, that thing looked like a horse standing in the woods and sitting on the ground level with him, so I seen him, you know, he did the whole tucked his tail, jumped, ducked, and ran, and I watched where I stopped listened. Um, I swear I heard him crash, but I I kind of just had the whole – uh I had it all, man. I enjoyed the whole moment. I got to sit there. It was quiet. The wind had stopped. So I soaked it all in, you know, I was like, I killed him, five yards. I seen where the arrow hit. I just soaked it all in, you know? And then, uh, I went out, found my arrow about 15 minutes later and seen it was a full pass through. So I, I I was thinking everything was good. You know, that's, uh, that's how I kind of got the arrow in them. And, uh, I was like, you know, I'm going to sneak out of here so my kids can come enjoy this with me. And so I don't press, press a big buck that I just shot 15 minutes ago. My wife was, uh, coming Shoot that, shoot. i mean fifteen minutes. So I just me here. Just shut up. And uh, so yeah, they came, met me. We went and looking for blood, and it was just, it was small, small blood. It was coming out of both sides, but it was very, very little blood, which really freaked me out because I knew I hit him good, but uh, I don't know. We tracked for about fifty yards, and it was just so fine. I had the farmer coming out with me, and uh, excuse me, he wanted to, do the whole walking back and forth thing. And I was totally against that, but that's how those old school farmers are. So instead of doing that, we just pulled out. And uh, that farmer took my kids and my wife home for me so I could call a dog tracker and we could get a game plan together. So I stayed out there waiting to see kind of what the plan was going to be. The dog tracker said, let's just wait it out and do it in the morning. He said not to worry about rain, anything like that. The dog's going to go off the dead, dead deer smell more than anything. So I ended up trusting them. Uh, even they they said their dog was ten months old, but it didn't they said it'd be fine. Uh so we went out there at six thirty in the morning and uh the dog smelled my arrow, put her nose up in the air and ran right over to where pretty much where the deer ran down the hill, fifty yards away from where I shot it, maybe sixty, but Wow. It was just laying there dead in the ditch. The ditch was like twelve foot tall, so he fell down deep in that ditch, but yeah, that that connected all the pieces, and then I could—that was a big sigh of relief. I was up drinking coffee at three o'clock that morning, waiting to go track. So, yeah, but uh, that—that's where it all connected, man. I mean, it was—I don't even know, man. It's, yeah. it's crazy how—I mean, that's what—that's what I moved here for. I mean, I got a score today. He's one forty-nine and a half.
1: Oh, uh,
3: Alexander! Man, sent in the score right before that.
1: That's great. Is that your biggest dude to date?
3: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm from Michigan, man. I've only hunted public my whole life.
2: <laughs> yeah,
3: so, yeah, I that's
2: like, man, that's 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 awesome, man. So, so where did you hit him?
3: I got one lung and a liver. All okay. the blood was puddled in him. I this is I stayed up watching videos all night. I all or right. I ordered. Uh, I don't know if you vector. They got their new broadheads. Um, yeah. They haven't been sent out yet, so I had to throw my my old G5 Montex that I've always ran and had good success with. Always loved them, but uh I think since I was sitting literally five yards away, maybe even four and a half, it was like a bullet going through him. So there was not it was it just pierced him. Um that's kind of what I got just from watching videos of people and I'm not for sure why it happened, but there was definitely a lot of blood inside him and he definitely died right when I hit him, but there wasn't much of a blood trail at all. And it was a full pass through. But I got one lung and the liver is what I ended up getting. Okay. And I got him in mid stride. Like I said, he was walking up kind of quartered away where I could see his whole side, but I'm
1: surprised. right
3: Looking
1: at yeah. your pictures and stuff, I wouldn't have thought it would have been that far back for the liver, but it must've gone through. I don't know, but uh, it's a weird angle. Yeah. 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 Five yards, man. Five yards. Yeah.
3: I'm the ground too. it. Don't get caught. I didn't want to make any noise. I mean, I could have hung a tree in there if I wanted, but I mean, I got a, I use a lone wolf and three or four sticks depending on what I need. And, that's just what I ran. I haven't. I'll be getting a saddle here. My wife's giving that for Christmas, but there so next year I'll get in the saddle game. I'm ready. Yeah. For that. I, I climb trees and cut trees for a living, so okay, I'll, I'll fit in the saddle just fine. But yeah, I wanted to be as quiet as I could. Oh my
2: god. So, so when you're when you were tracking, I mean, it, it, at what point did you kind of hit the panic button? Where you're like, oh man, this is this is going to be a lot really? harder than I thought it was going to be.
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm right at the beginning. I started panicking because where I hit them, there was no blood. I, had, I mean. I think my wife found the first drop of blood to be honest with you. We had, I got a one-year-old, four-year-old, and a seven-year-old. we It was just us out there looking for blood and uh, before the farmer came out, but it was I, I kind of was panicking right at the beginning because I knew I had hit him, you know, and I know not to get excited too early, especially on a big old, you know, Iowa mature deer, but with that, that close, you know, that good of a shot, and I'm not just saying it, but I do shoot my bow every day, every morning, <laughs> and I was confident, but uh, I was, I think I was panicking right at the beginning because I got overexcited at the beginning, but I kind of, yeah. once I talked to, the, since I pulled out and we didn't sweep the whole property and I talked to the dog tracker and I was confident in it, they started kind of making me feel a little better about it, but uh, I wasn't going to f- sleep until uh, I found him. I know that.
1: You said that dog, it was like a five minute track?
3: If that, I mean, to be honest uh, with you, man, we think, I, I got the DNR officer, He's he's got me putting a trail camera where I shot it because- Guy, the guy, it's a husband and wife that came out there tracking. They're from Oregon, and there's mountain lions like crazy out there. And We were walking out there at 630 in the morning, and we just heard this loud hissing and growling and scratching on the tree, and he said, get your gun. I was like 15 yards ahead of him, and uh, he told me to get my gun out, and we all stopped for a second. He slowly started backing up and walked towards me. He said, like, we need to keep moving. I just need a bobcat, or I mean a mountain lion, sorry. And uh, I've never seen one in person, but – the way it sounded and explained it, and uh I ended up talking to the DNR officer later too and explained it to him. He said that there's actually been one in that county that they've been trying to figure out where's that. So <laughs> he wants me to put a camera out there because uh, yeah, they think that there could be a mountain lion out there. And uh, Man, on that's, the way out after pretty... we got here, we've seen four bobcats, so it's pretty loaded <laughs> with wildlife out yeah. there.
1: I was yeah, scroll. I was actually scrolling through Instagram today. I think Steve ranella actually posted something of somebody sitting in a tree stand. Uh, with a camera on a mountain lion in Iowa. So I wonder if it's not yeah. right in your area.
3: Um, so I'm telling you, there's been two that are within. They're two different counties, but there's two. I don't. I don't know how to explain. I guess Albia is one of the places they've seen. When I know that, and then there's one closer to me and i don't know man it's i've i'm from michigan so i've never seen one in person I, I mean i say i think there's even maybe some in michigan but i've never seen one in person they're pretty sneaky you know what i mean but
1: you, you keep those things he, out there okay we don't don't let them come any I, further this way
3: man yeah. yeah i was like you don't have a gun he's like no i forgot it in the truck oh, oh man wow. i got so, the wrong gun for this so but we didn't see it so
2: marcus i want to kind of di- dive into the to the dog uh so the couples from Oregon, one, how did you, how did you find them? Were they just on, on, online? Or all, right, I I, all right. I don't even have Facebook.
3: All right. My Facebook name is Whitetail Bass because I, I, I hate scrolling on Facebook. I use it for marketplace and I think Instagram and go wild. are way better. I'm not even Instagram, honestly, but I feel like people can, they still connect on Instagram more than anything right now. Uh, yeah. So I, I deleted Facebook, but I made another one called white tail bass just to, just to look on that marketplace thing. And, uh, I ended up finding uh, while standing in the woods looking for blood. I got on my little white tail bass Facebook page, searched Iowa, and something came up. that said Iowa Blood Trackers, and I found it, it was a Facebook page, and they had like five thousand people on it. Like it's a big page, so I requested it. Like ten seconds later, they accepted my request, and there's like uh, there's actually a list on there, people, what county they're at and what their phone number's at, I didn't see that list till after I made a post, but I posted on there, like, I need a dog tracker in this area now, and within, like, two minutes, some lady, well, Alicia, the lady that actually tracked helped me, she she commented on there, I'll call you soon, so that's how I found them, is through this little Facebook, and it got so big, because I guess uh, blood tracking just became legal in Iowa a year ago, so, and uh, it's, I mean, they're 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 serious about it here. Yeah. They definitely take it seriously. It's so, like a, one one like of the things friendship. that social
1: media actually is could be positive for, right? Yeah,
3: sure. I think so. I'd say so, man. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I already I feel like I gained some friends just just from running across these guys. Like yeah. uh, me and the me and the guy Randy, he we him and I hit it off pretty well. And his uh, his wife and the way she was with that pup, it was so cool to watch, man. Yeah.
2: So if you if you don't mind sharing, how much was it for the dog? Did they charge you?
3: They said we don't want you to pay us anything. We only accept tips. So. Oh wow. Okay. They were they had, they had zero there. I'm sure there are people with fees. I mean, yeah. but The from what I've seen, it was tips only for most of these people that are on there. Okay. So cool. I mean, I I was willing to pay whatever they were. You know, I was not yeah. gonna give up. A thing. I was like, whatever we got to do. My wife was like, you better <laughs> have a top yeah. number on your mind.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ex- ex- exactly. Well, man, that's a, that's, that's a great story. Talk, talk about it. You know, man, you know, last year you're hunting public in Michigan this year, you're ugh. hunting freaking private land, almost 500 acres in Iowa. Like that's, uh, that's man. unreal, man. What?
3: I know I feel like man. a kid in a candy store.
2: It's yeah. almost like,
3: ugh, cause I, I had a, I mean, I grew up on a farm up Northern Michigan and we had 300 acres that I would, I shot my first bike, I shot a six point there. And then as I got older, I lived way far away from it. I went back there one year and bow hunted, Missed, I mean, it was like 160 inch 12 point that nobody ever hunted there, and I missed it there at 60 yards in a rainstorm. So there were some big ones up there, but mainly, I mean, my adult life, all I've done is bow hunt public land. And uh, I got this one right here is uh, he's like 93 inches or something. This is, uh, this is my Michigan public land, I went two yeah. miles in for this guy. <laughs> actually October 11th, 2018. So the same day I shot my buck here in Iowa, just four yeah. years later, we should so all, that was pretty sweet.
1: We should know. But, uh, Did you say October 11th?
3: Yep. Okay. Yep.
1: And so that's when those deer are, are lulling, right? So, I would say, yeah, right. <laughs> I would say like
3: the 11th, the 16th, I know like the 15th through the 17th is money for these bucks getting these early hot does, but I've always seen on the 11th bucks every, I mean, in daylight, even on trail cameras. So, that's yeah. my special day it's different everywhere but i brought the same special day from there i mean it was a little different here i knew it was bedded but something i don't know he was on his feet at five thirty in in the evening whether that was because i jumped him two days before around that time or what but he he came out of string so but yeah, yeah it's definitely was... different hunting uh hunting there and then hunting here it's yeah ugh, i don't want to say it was it's a whole different style you have to use strategy not just win but you have to use it's just it's just totally different hunting. I mean, I love the grind of walking in, trying to hunt where different people are and stuff. But I wanted my first deer in Iowa to be on public. I got some monsters on public on trail camera still. So, and nice. I still got a second shot shotgun season tag. And my wife's dad, he drew uh, Iowa this year for that same season. So we're gonna go try and Fair. put one down on public together. So
2: yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you how how it works in Iowa. I know, so you so you can shoot multiple bucks in Iowa.
3: Yeah, if you don't own land, you have two buck tags. If you own okay. land, you can have three. So, but you have to okay. shoot one with gun, one with bow. You just gotcha. pick your season with an early, late, muzzle loader shotgun.
2: Okay. Man, that's cool. Good deal. Well, Marcus, thank you so much, man, for, for sharing the story. I, I really enjoyed it. Let us know how that second gun season
3: goes. So yeah, I man, think- I'll definitely keep in touch, and you guys do the same. You're gonna get one down, man. I appreciate what you guys do for real. You guys are awesome, both of you. No, no problem. Thank you, man. We'll, really appreciate, really appreciate that. Yep. Yeah. So good luck the rest yeah. of the way, man. Fun straight, brothers. Yep. Appreciate All right. it. Thanks,
2: man. Take care, Marcus.
3: All right, man. Yep. See y'all. All
2: right. See you, bud.
1: All right, and welcome back to the O2 podcast. Tonight we've got Paul, but our more important second three-time guest, Mr. Tony Peterson. So, Tony, how hey, are you today?
2: How, how do you feel about that? I feel I feel good, man. I'm oh, I'm okay. glad that Yeah, no, I'm I'm good. I'll take that uh I don't know, slight but jab. Yeah, it's so, a... so speaking of speaking of jabs, I want to I want to dive right into this. Uh, on the most recent episode of uh Wire to Hunt, Mark Kenyon, your uh, your cohort uh, in crime here and Dallas Johnson uh, or Dan Johnson, whatever we're going to call him, man, it was like open season on your ass. Uh, They were they were they were just beating you to the ground. So I want to give you our humble platform, Tony Peterson, to respond to Dallas, Dan Johnson. And Mark Kenyon, hey, in uh, Paul, any way that you see fit,
1: Paul. He said he doesn't listen to hunting podcasts, so he might not have caught that one. But they were talking about your obsession with stars and Star Trek, or the they uh-huh. just they're like
2: you are you are a nerd that, that deserves a swirly whenever someone. Sees oh yeah, you that public. was it too. So, yeah. So first
4: off, th- th- it's hilarious, Mark Kenyon accusing anybody of being a nerd. <laughs> but, okay. Secondly, it's not Star Trek; it's space. I freaking love space. I think it's
1: fascinating hey Tony oh. you know, one time I had this conversation with somebody about space I'm, i I think we were sitting at about a seven-year-old birthday party and I said man space is just crazy and the next thing you know this guy was trying to explain to me why the earth was flat and I was like wow they do exist <laughs> I didn't think that was a thing like I've heard of it but it's real it's
2: real it's it sucked him right in he's 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 don't let him lie i'm not to gonna that. lie
1: i thought about it for about 24 hours <laughs> and then the, the, the reality is i was like you know what i still hustle grass seed for a living and i don't care what fla- what shape the earth is it doesn't matter to me so
4: well we you know not all science is settled but the one on the shape of the earth is pretty we got that down pretty good
1: what? <laughs> wide end lenses man that's that's a thing so
2: fair enough all right well you took you took the high road you didn't take uh take too many shots at, at Kenyon or uh or mr dallas so Can good, I, good for you man you're a better man than all of us
1: so just as <laughs> so. everybody knows tony right and tony you've been on our show a few times and we and we greatly appreciate it but it never it never ceases to amaze me you know paul you're sitting there you got your what is that duck blind camo in the background decorating yeah, yeah. i got my high school football trophy right and then you got tony's got about three thousand inches of antlers hanging on his wall behind us so we are we are in uh good company for when it comes to talking about white-tailed deer yes yeah. hey, we is, are
4: this is why i don't need to go after a couple of amateurs like dan and mark because <laughs> you're only looking at like 12 percent of what i got here so
2: <laughs> yeah, there we go that's what we were well, that was a good show we
1: thanks guys thanks for listening appreciate that <laughs> that's all we needed uh good stuff Tell all me right. what have you been up to man
4: uh, just trying to kill a deer in South Dakota, trying to get my daughters on a couple of deer over in Wisconsin and just planning, planning out my own stuff here. You know, I've got a, I got a film for one week in November again, and I'm hunting a, a part of Minnesota I've never hunted before on some public. So I'm kind of, I feel, I feel like I'm kind of back to my roots right now. Cause I'm spending a lot of time looking at on like a lot of time.
2: So are these are these just new properties that you're hunting or just old properties you're trying to find something something different?
4: Um so you know South Dakota was was some properties I've hunted in the past and then some new stuff and then this Minnesota thing I've I pheasant hunted it and, and rabbit hunted some of this stuff quite a bit which is kind of why I want to go down there cuz the challenge to hunt it it's it's not a very good deer part of the state and it's not you know I mean it, a lot of these counties have like eight trees you know it's a different different thing than i'm used to and i just i can't i can't handle it Mo- most of my hunting comes from like if i travel somewhere and it, you know i'm i'm hunting sharp tails out west or something then you bunch you bump a bunch of mule deer out of a draw and you're like well what's what's the mule deer tag situation here or you know this this thing just following my dogs around in these cattail sloughs and jumping good bucks and i mean good bucks right after the minnesota gun season wraps up so these deer are hiding out on public land and just seeing, you know, going back to hunt rabbits in February and then looking at all the sign and just going, I gotta, I just gotta try it. You know, I think it's, I think it's going to be really tough. Like I think a 110, 120 inch deer there would be a really good accomplishment, but it's just, I gotta do, I just have to do it. I don't know why.
2: So is this, is that just that need to do it? Is that driven out of of like, Boredom, maybe, or it's just a, it's just something that's so outside of the norm that you're like, I, I, you can't resist it.
4: Uh, a little of both of those, and I'm just, I am just not really wired for like the same stuff over and over again. Like I, you know, when I was in South Dakota, you know, earlier in October here, I was just like, I love the prospect of just like, okay, I've got six days. And I've got, you know, X amount of public land chunks around here. And some I've been in, some I haven't. I don't know where the deer are. And I just love, like, not only do I have to find something to hunt today, I got to have a plan for tomorrow and a setup. And then when that doesn't work, what's my next? And I just, I love that process. And I don't, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people, kind of the goal is like, get a property, build it up and, you know, have your food plots and you're consistent. You know, if I go out there on Halloween and I set the food plot, I'm going to shoot one kind of thing. And I just, I, that doesn't do it for me. Like I, I, I don't mind an easy one or kind of like a predictable one every once in a while, but there's just something about like that, that process of like, you got to figure it out now. I just love it.
2: So when you're, and I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I've, I've, I have kind of that same mentality and, in, and. In... I'll say this during a deer talk and I bring this up in every damn episode, but I like to turkey hunt more than deer hunt. And so I get like super impatient. I always love finding the new areas. I love going to like the toughest spots. Like they're just miserable to hunt because I know there's going to be turkeys in there. It has to be right. And so as I'm, as I'm really diving into, to, to deer bow hunting, archery bow hunting, um, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm looking at all of these areas that I hunt. I'm like, okay, so I know that there are deer here. Do I sit here every day? You know, like I'm just trying to like formulate a plan of attack because I want I want to be successful. Whatever I deem successful, uh, you know, for this year, um, I want to be more successful in the Deer Woods this year than I ever have. And I've put a ton of effort into into scouting, and uh, you know, in the summertime, I put a you know two trail cameras up on public land, which isn't a ton for me. That's a lot. I've never done that before. And so as we're kind of getting in, we're in the middle of October now. My mindset is really, you know, tuning into, you know, the end of October, first half of November, um, and, and and kind of that wandering mind that I have for deer hunting, large, big woods, public land bucks in Ohio. So you're sitting here now, October 12th. What's your mindset? you know you just said you're, you're 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 looking at all these maps and you're just studying so so what kind of game plan are you coming up with at this point and you know what's your mindset now so that when it's when it's time when you know that bell curve starts to go during the rut that you're ready
4: uh man you know obviously you're looking for where you think the deer are going to be then right like i'm i'm a big cover guy like the thicker the better if there's you know If there's some kind of habitat that's pretty consistent and then there's a little bit of habitat that's more thick for some reason, it's thicker for some reason, I'm always gonna go there. So like just as an example, and and the other component of that is like I'm always like, How many people are gonna get there? Like what's the people influence gonna be? So this this stuff I'm gonna hunt in, you know, the western part of Minnesota, there'll be pheasant hunters in there every day with me. And I know that. So I'm like, okay, now with people running their dogs through the grassland parts or probably the cattails to some extent, some of it uh, won't be, will be frozen up by then. But some, some people will be hunting in there where the deer are bedded. Some people won't. But I know that's a factor. So I got to look at this and go, is there a place where the pheasant hunters probably aren't going to want to go? Like, well, they're probably not going to want to take their dogs in there. That just happens to usually be the kind of places where the deer are going to be. And then because of the way the terrain works, even, even if I have, you know, say 500 or a thousand acre piece of public, I'm always looking at what's on the neighbors. Cause if there's a, in that kind of country, if there's a old homestead, you know, 400 yards away from it here, and there's a little creek bottom here, all of that stuff's going to play in. Cause those deer, by the time I'm hunting them there, they're going to be covering ground and they're going to go I know there's a doe group that beds in that homestead and I know there's a doe group that uses this and, and it's going to be like kind of how you hear you, Some people who hunt coos deer down in like Arizona, they'll, they'll scout out instead of spotting and stalking, like most people do, they'll scout out these little doe groups and then they'll hunt them just like you would a whitetail where they go, this doe group lives in this drainage, this doe group lives in this drainage. Where's the connection? Where's the, where's the Ridge or the easiest, you know, spot to get through. And they're just little white tails. And that's what this is. Is like, <clears throat> what does the ground offer me for thick stuff? And then how is it connected to everything else?
2: You know, I, I read an article today in Peterson's bow hunting magazine and it was <laughs> Bill, Bill Winky started the article out by saying hunting deer in the rut is not complicated. Don't overcomplicate. It, it was basically the gist of keep it simple. Stupid was kind of uh, was kind of the message there. So I think for, for, for me and a lot of guys, I think, man, I just, I, I start like overanalyzing, you know, okay. I know they're here. I know they're here. How are they connected? And it's like, I feel like that guy was a beautiful mind where he's got the, like the numbers all, all over his room, you know, and, and I'm dumb. I'm too
4: dumb to figure out like,
2: you know, don't make it that complicated. So, yeah,
4: well, can we, can we talk about that for a second? Then?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Dive <laughs> into it. So me being I, dumb or the,
4: <laughs> no, no, no. So Bill Winkie's advice, right. Don't don't overcomplicate it. Here's the problem with that. And I, I know Bill well. I love Bill. I used to edit his articles at Peterson's Bow Hunting. But he's not thinking somebody's going to come into his doe bedding area and blow him out, right? Yeah. You're, if you're hunting public land in Ohio, I think I think one of the biggest disservices we've done as the industry is we've taken, you know, these hunts that are essentially like high fence hunts without the fence, right? Like, And then all of our advice comes from that. And I go, okay, well... If the rut was the answer to all of our problems, it wouldn't be as hard to kill a big one during the rut in a lot of places as it is. And it still is. And so when you think about if you're, if you're like, Oh, I'm going to just go get on a good pinch point on some public land in Ohio. It's like, that doesn't mean anything. Like what's around it? How many people are coming in? What's like, what's the deer density? You know, like there's a lot more to this. And so I think we've sold this idea that the rut is just a matter of like, do your all day sits on a funnel and you're good to go. And it's like, it's not it, it, on pressured ground and on public ground where you're going to be dealing with more hunters than, than any other time, but maybe opening week, it's not that simple. And so it kind of depends on where you're hunting.
2: Yeah. I know, I know just from the spots that I hunt, uh, and just last year during, during the rut, you know, just to say November 5th, I don't even know what day it was, uh, the 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 drive from the main road to the to the you know there's a couple parking spots through it. It's maybe a two mile two mile road into this public. Uh, I counted twenty seven twenty seven trucks okay. on that two mile stretch during <laughs> during the peak, and a lot of out of state, a lot of Ohio boys. So it, I mean, it definitely adds. Um, that's a that's a great point. Um, you know, guys like me, I don't I don't get the luxury of not having other people walk around oh. me. I mean, I there there are hunts that I see more people than deer. And, uh, and, and, you know, and and a lot of that, like, could I go deeper into the woods? Yes. Uh, was it? Yeah. Look at that. Awesome. Pinch point. This awesome saddle. There's going to be deer everywhere. Though maybe four weeks ago when there wasn't, you know, humans walking all over. So I guess that's interesting. I I think like for, for me, when I get into that, when I get in that scenario and I might have like two or three, um, you know, ideas. Okay. Like I know that the deer are going to be here And, and were they? Yes, they probably were that influence. I have such a hard time kind of. Even mid hunt, like oh shit, what do I do now? Like my 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 three day hunt is done. I mean, there's 15 dudes from North Carolina here. What am I gonna do now? I have no idea. So yeah. what's like that kind of that plan? A the shot, B shot, C shot, D, E, F. Man, I mean, like we're going down the line. I mean, so when, when you're scrambling trying to combat pressure, well, I mean, what what are, what are some of the things that you do? Preparation and like during the <laughs> like when really? you're like oh god, I have nothing else.
4: There's two things, right? So the first thing is the mindset. Like if you go in there with an e- the mindset that November 5th is going to make it easy because it's November 5th, you're in trouble. Right? Like, I mean, you see this. I, I, I continue, like the more, the more experience I get elk hunting, the more I just, I, I look at whitetail hunting public land and I go, this is a mini elk hunt without the calling, basically. It's like you're constantly thinking about the pressure. Where's the pressure going to originate? How deep is it going to go? Where's it concentrated and how are the animals going to react? And elk are different because you don't typically have like a destination food source, right? You're not like, I know they're going to end up in the beans tonight. So they're going to start somewhere not too far away from here. They're going to, they're going to browse wherever, you know, they're going to find food, but it's, it's a different thing. So you're like, I got to use sign to find a concentration. That's it. Like, if I don't find that, I don't have anything to hunt. And then with whitetails, we, we kind of go in and we're like, well, you know, I know, I, I can buy a bunch of stuff that'll call in deer and I can, I can go sit this funnel. Cause everybody says I can do this and saddle up. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you're not around deer and it, and it really doesn't matter if you're not only not around deer, but you're in a place where a bunch of other people are going to go. And so, and it, and it changes from like week to week. And that's, that's where it gets really elky to me is like, you think, okay, like, Oh, this spot's going to be badass Cause it should have been, you know, they were here a month ago and it's like, you don't know how many people were in there and you don't know, you know, like did the mass change? What, what, like a lot of stuff changes, the leaves drop, things get different. And we just kind of look at it and we go, I'm just going to wait till that first week in November and things are going to get easy, but they don't, they might, you might get lucky and have a have one come cruising through. Sure. But like most people don't. And that, that tells you that most people aren't doing it. So for me, I'm, I'm always like, I think of it, my hunts in like two parts. I think about an evening and I think about a morning typically. And cause I'm not sitting field edges or anything. So I'm like, if I find a spot, I can usually sit at morning and evening, right? Like it's, it should function pretty well for both. So I always look at it and I go, if I'm trying to find a concentration, I get into some sign. I'm like, I'm going to set up here now. And I'm going to come back in the morning. And if those two sits don't produce good sightings for me or something, then I got it wrong and it's time to move on. Cause if I don't see them then, as long as I think the wind and everything worked pretty good for me, then I go, I'm not on them. It's time to keep looking. And it, I'll tell you, like on the the mindset example, like I fell into that when I went to South Dakota this year, I hadn't been there in probably, I guess maybe like four years, but I went out there four years in a row. I killed four bucks on public land. I was like, this place is awesome. Right. And I went out there this year thinking it was going to be easy. And it wasn't, it wasn't easy. And the first spot that I checked out just on a whim, first thing that happened, I passed up a buck on a pond. I was like, Oh, I, I got this figured out. It's 87 degrees. I'm sitting over water. And then I started getting my ass kicked and I'm like, I can't lay eyes on a buck. And so I'm like, I gave up on this spot and went to some of this, some of these other places I've hunted before. And I re- I mean, I found a lot of deer, but I could not get on a good buck. And what I, what I realized was like, I didn't give that first spot enough credit. I didn't look around enough. I kind of, kind of wrote it off right away because I expected easy and it wasn't easy. And I went back there for my last evening sit And the last year I had an encounter with was like a 130 inch 11 pointer that almost came in. You know, I had him at 40 yards. It just wasn't quite right. And I was like, man, I went into this just thinking, you know, this is not going to be that hard. And I got my butt kicked and I just, I scrambled when I, you know, like, you know, the, the blueprint for this stuff. And I just let myself drift a little bit and it was a mistake.
2: You made, you made a comment when you were talking about kind of the, the three you know, the, the things to look for when, when dealing with pressure. And, and, and you said, determine how the deer react. So if we've got, I've got an area right now that I've, that I have a camera out. I've got, I've gotten five, five bucks on it four pretty, pretty immature deer. One, I would say mature deer. I would, I'm shooting this deer 10 out of 10 times. I've seen him, I've, I've gotten him on camera twice. So, and, and, and I know the reason I put it there, I found it in turkey season. It's a, like there was a ton of concentrate. There's a ton of sign I and mean, there's sign everywhere, scrapes, rubs, all that stuff. So I'm like, let's just see what's out here. I've seen deer every time I've gone out there. It's a really, it's a really easy walk. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it, let, me, let me say this. It's a really, really hard, intense walk, but it's short. It's like 500 yards from the nearest parking spot. So I know that, and it's got all of the things, you know, like if you just, you know, the, 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 the top five terrain features that are going to move deer like they're all there there's food so all of this so i know that you know come november end of october there's going to be people all over it because everyone else is seeing the same thing that i do so when that pressure gets in there how are deer reacting to that are they just going deeper are they going up over a ridge i mean are they just it is it like the the time that
4: they're moving well why do you how, think how, that people are going to be all over that just because it's so close
1: um i i yeah my, my, my big, my big thing. Paul has a sign right there. It says my deer camera says there's tons of deer down this way.
2: Come this way. <laughs> I shouldn't, I shouldn't have been sending the on x pen to everyone. I'm just kidding. I didn't, I didn't do that. Um, I mean, it's just, it, it's, there's just a bunch of these ridges. And like, if you looked at it on a map and there's saddles everywhere and there's like this little open clearing, that's maybe a half an acre and it's surrounded by freaking white oaks. And I mean, it's a public land spot. So I know that someone has been in there before. Right the The times that I've scouted it, the times that I've hunted it, I've not seen any human sign. I haven't got it, you know. I hadn't, I don't have. So maybe, maybe people won't be on there. I, 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 I highly doubt it. Um, it's it's fairly close to, you know, a ton of people. Some pop. It's it's an hour drive from two very large cities. So I just I have a feeling that like I'm going to have some competition. Uh, I, there's a lot of other areas in this public spot that i think humans are more drawn to there's you know there's like these big open pastures and grasslands and, and so it's, it's a really neat property but i don't know i'm not super confident in that spot keeping people out of it i mean it is totally. intense to get back there but it's a very it's a very short walk like i said it's yeah. less than 500 yards from, from road to, to spot where I. the deer sit.
4: are in there right now
2: they're in there right now that thing was blowing up today
4: uh, camera was blowing up. kill them today
2: uh, you know, I should have. I, I was uh, playing dad and I had doctor's appointments and, you know, on, all, that Paul, good, all those my, good excuses. Paul, what right? was my
1: text to you earlier?
2: Uh, I don't even remember. Man. Are you going to be out there world. tomorrow? I think. That, yeah, I think I that's was, exactly it, what I said. Is. That is. Yeah. Are you going to be in there tomorrow? So,
4: yeah, but this is this is another thing. It, this actually works in your favor if you're willing to do it. So many people have been conditioned to think they got to wait till around Halloween to go out and really get after it. Those deer are super killable now. And if you have a concentration of them on public land there, I'd figure out a way to get in there soon and go no,
1: get one. No, Tony, yeah. Tony, the October lull.
4: Okay? Uh-huh. These lulling they, they, deer that they I sleep, see all they the time. They hibernate
1: right for the entire month of October. Yeah. I've, I've read about it. I'm blown yeah. You
4: probably read Mark Kenyon right there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh man. Yeah, I
2: I had I think I had 26 pictures of deer today from yeah. this from his camera. And it, and it started at freaking 7 a.m. and my last one was probably 7:30 and I had four bucks on my camera today. Oh, I had like the smaller ones. I, I I was just like, "Damn it. Like there was absolutely no way I could get, you know, I'm going to take my 4-year-old and slap her my my backpack and climb up a tree with Paul asked but.
1: Paul actually asked me to pick his kids up from school today so that he to woods. <laughs> and I said I can't I, I'm not sure they're gonna allow that so
2: yeah so I, I unfortunately I you know just with with I you know I think I'm gonna have tomorrow I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get out there I think Friday it's gonna be my day and let's just hope man I mean it's it's been consistent the camera activity but man today like I don't know what the deal was we had a big front that rolled through and it was just non-stop and I'm like oh
4: well did it get super windy with that front it did. Yeah, it, it did. It really brought it. Somewhere. there's a bunch of acorns in there. Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. There's acorns probably 70 yards from, from the, uh, from the cameras location. And it's just these, so there's these really big spine ridges everywhere and they just drop down. You get these really good saddles and you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the, when I, when I walked through there, Andrew was there, and we found a, like just a massive scrape licking branches. I mean, it was Hell, just, dude, oh that my was, God. A, that
1: was in like July. That was, I mean, that, uh, was, that was
2: in July. I mean, the deer I am like, and, and I even found it during Turkey season. I'm like, Oh my God, what, a, what if I just found, <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah. so it was good. So I, I, I'm, I'm really apprehensive about, um, you know, that, 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 that pressure, you know, and, and. And and maybe it's not, maybe I'm just seeing nothing, but I I can tell you if I get in there on Friday or tomorrow, there there will be absolutely nobody there. I can guarantee that. So do it. Right. That's the, I don't know. I think
4: think we solved all your problems, dude. I'm going
2: to use up all my vacation days in the middle of October.
4: But that's, that's (laughs) the thing though, dude, is we do this all the time. And people think like we've been, again, we've got this advice that you got to save it till the time is right. And you shouldn't, why would you hunt now when you could hunt during the rut? And it's like if you know a bunch of people are gonna come out during the rut and yet you've got a bunch of deer in there now, Try I mean yeah. I, I just think I the the private land rules don't apply to public man. Like it's a different thing because yeah. of that pressure.
2: Yeah. And that's kind of a hard thing for me when when I when I absorb content, whatever medium it may be, I don't have that giant farm, you know, I don't have that manicured you know, luxury, uh, if, if you will. So, and I'm quite honestly, I think at this point I've been doing it for so long that if I had that, I would, I'd probably, you know, like you said, a couple layups, like, Oh, that was cool. I would get bored with it real fast. I really would. I, I, I had access to Turkey hunt a hundred acres one time, a couple of years ago. I did it like twice. I'm like, that's so boring. I'm all over this property like 12 times and it's seven 30 in the morning. So, um, <laughs>
1: Tony, I uh, I got a question for you. So on on the flip side, Paul does a lot of the public, and I've got a couple of private spots. Um, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Luxury here. No, what we're not. It? What's <laughs> You want to know about the private Mr. Kardashian yeah. here with oh, his yeah. uh He's
2: like, "Oh, I'm going to I'm going to go get my my Gator, my John Deere Gator to go pick this deer up." And I'm yeah. like, "Why am I here, man? You didn't need my help dragging this deer out. I carried it on my <laughs> shoulder." He
1: just
4: wanted to show it to you. Right.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> all right, so but if you do have private land, you got an, act, an area where you're able to get in um I know opinions are like assholes, everyone has one and they all stink, but like Mark Kenyon told us <laughs> Here we go again. Uh, and this one stinks.
4: I can tell already
1: <laughs> on, on day one, right. Of the opener, you're going big or go home, right? Let's uh, let's swing for the fences. If it, if it doesn't work, you back out. Right. And, and if that's your, be, your best spot historically. So our opener was September 24th. So for those listeners who maybe they took that swing uh, on September 24th, they were like, we're going to go hit that hot spot and And if it doesn't work, we'll back out until the rut or whatever. Um, I guess my, my question is, how much sitting in a certain spot is burning it out? Where do you draw that line where it's like, all right, I need to back out, give this a few weeks to rest before I go back in and try to really hit it hard again? And one, one of the reasons I ask is because I've had a spot that I sat in. I told Paul last week, I said, this, this, this weekend is it. I'm burning it out. I'm going to let it sit for a month. And I did that. I actually killed a deer, gutted it within you know yards from where everything happened. And the next morning, there was deer back in there. Right, so it was like I, I thought I was burning it out to the point where nothing was going to come in. Now remember, I'm like the champion doe killer of the world, but um, so I'm not talking about you know any world class deer or bucks. But at what point do you let a stand just sit, or don't you?
4: Uh, they, I just let the deer tell me, I mean, I, I burn out a lot of stuff, but I do it because if I go into a, a property and I'm like, I'm going to sit here and you know, if I'm seeing deer, I'm not going to move unless it's like, unless I really think I'm like, could get on some big ones and I'm not or something, you know, but generally I always just feel like the deer are going to tell me and you, you'll know it if it's burned out and they start, if they, if they stop coming by, they're going to tell you. And I think the problem is that people, they don't pay attention to that very well because they want to sit certain places, right? Like when you've got that, that stand in that little beanfield corner or something, it's like easy to get to and you always see some deer that you you just want to go there, right? It's easy. Like, I'm going to see deer. I'm going to have a decent hunt, but you know, like, man, I I sat this stand a whole bunch of times and now I don't see very much, or it's just not the same feel anymore. You burned it out. Like you just know.
1: So, but I think there's there all is also a little bit of magic involved with that, right? So if you just switch your arrow in the quiver, uh, <laughs> it'll bring deer in, right? It's... I heard that once on a podcast. This guy said that if he if you just switch the arrow in the quiver, all of a sudden they come back in. And you know what? It works. I figured that out over the weekend.
4: I don't think you listened to it very closely because <laughs> I didn't say on the same stand. <laughs> I also don't remember calling it magic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so. Just for anybody who isn't familiar, I think was that was that on Dan's show? You were yeah. on there, you were talking about your elk hunt and how you had gone a couple days without seeing anything. You decided to switch the arrows because, you know, you just had this kind of like supersti- superstition, man. And that you know what, this arrow's not working. I literally did that. I sat three times and I thought, you know what? Maybe Tony's got a thing here. So I switched the arrow in. Next thing you know, I had a deer in front of me. I thought, well, there you go. It's real.
4: Listen, you can't argue with that. Like,
1: that's obviously. It's in the proof Geneva of work. Convention. Right. Yeah. You just write a book,
2: How to Kill Big Deer, and it's one switch page. Arrow. It switch
1: arrows. <laughs> Keep
4: switching arrows till he walks in, boys.
2: Oh yeah. shoot. Uh, we should name the arrow or the the episode switching arrows switching with Tony Peterson. I like it. So, um, so
1: Tony, well, you got uh you talked about it, All right? And I'm not trying to We don't want to just make you repeat everything that you've talked about. So, full disclosure, like today's episode or yesterday's, you you talked a lot about blood trailing uh, a couple weeks ago, and then and I'm sorry on the Foundations Wired to Hunt podcast, you talked about that blood trailing. You've talked about your daughter hitting a deer and not being able to find it. You were in a marsh and and the blood trail and that kind of stuff. I just. Want to kind of recap that really quick. And, at, you know, we all gear up on making sure that we're ready to shoot. We've got a good stand placement. The wind's right. We've got the best gear, whatever we're trying to do. Once you let that arrow go, there's a lot on the line that, you know, we black out. We don't remember everything. I think today's episode is was, was all about the whole eyewitness idea and that you don't always remember everything that happens. What are a couple quick points that you could could give us as far as how to trail a deer? And I, I think this is going to lead into our next discussion there about patience. But in my my mind, it's like, oh shoot, I got I hit that deer. Everything's good to go. Let's get down right now and start going. Right? Let's find that deer. We, we can all celebrate. Crack a crack a beer. Send pictures. Post your Instagram. Whatever. But like, it's not that easy you still have to wait right um and i guess i don't know i i I, what i'm trying to ask is is what are some proper steps to go about after that shot and 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 what do you do and what have you learned over the years as far as what's going to work out best in the long run
4: uh i think that one of the most important things right off the bat when you shoot a deer is to understand that a lot of the things you think about it, you got wrong. Like we we don't like to admit this, man. And like it's the same thing when people miss; it's always because there was an unseen twig or the deer jumped the string or what. It's never because I flamed out because I got buck fever really bad and I just drew back and shot. Like
1: or doe, doe fever.
4: We lo- whatever doe fever, buck <laughs> fever. I don't care. We always do that. And when it comes to blood trailing, or sorry, when it comes to you shoot a deer. And it's like, in your head, you go, okay, that buck was quartered away. He was standing right there by that pine tree. Arrow looked a little back, but pretty good. His reaction was this meal kick or whatever. Like, you feel, you got all this stuff. And then you go down there and you find your arrow and you go, oh, okay, it's covered in guts. Or it's covered in this. Or I don't have an arrow here. And there's just little drops of this kind of blood. And I expected lung blood. And what happens is we talk ourselves into things all the time. Like, I must have had this right even when the evidence shows you, you didn't. And the thing about this stuff is like people sit there and they go, you know, if you liver hit him, you got to wait X amount of time. If you did this, you got to do this. If like, like it's hard and fast rules. And you go out and get on get yourself on a couple hundred blood trails in your life. You go, there's no absolutes in this stuff. You know, like I, I shot a buck a couple years ago in North Dakota that was on super red alert. This was a big public land buck. And the, when I drew on him, my top, uh, my top limb hit these, these oak leaves, you know, these dried oak leaves. So he heard it and he was like, he was keyed up. It was dead quiet. And I shot him and I was like, I think I freaking drilled him, but he took off like a greyhound. And in my head, I'm like, that was a double lung, quartered away, big buck, 20 yards. Like this is over. And I go down there, blood everywhere. I'm like, absolutely. This is what happened. And then I start trailing him and he ran across this opening and I'm like, that deer covered way too much ground for a a double long. So now I'm like sitting down on the blood trail going, "What, what did I miss? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I can't, I just can't reconcile this. I don't know what happened. And so I gave him a bunch of time and then started blood trailing it. And what had happened is that deer was just keyed up and he had hit the edge of this bluff and he ran down that kind of like diagonal down it dying the whole way. But that deer, when I found him was hit, The arrow was embedded in the offside shoulder. He was hit right behind the shoulder. It was perfect, but he was 300 yards as the crow flies from the impact site. Mm. And so I just look at that and I go, I would have told you no way, like that's not possible. Right. And the more you get on this stuff, the more you go, these things are amazing. And I just have to trust the evidence. And if the evidence tells me maybe you're wrong about this, it's always better just to play it safe because people, they look for a reason to go, go, go instead of being patient.
1: Did you have to bring a dog in for that scenario?
4: No, um, I, I happen. I mean, as soon as I hit the edge of this bluff, I could look way down. He landed with his belly up, so I could see him way down there. Um, but in a lot of situations, if you could, I would. You know, I mean that was that was a situation. I was on a, I was out on my own on a hunt. Like it was not, I wouldn't have known who to call. You know, right. but in the right situation, for sure.
1: So, like, if you've got a deer. We can all Google you know this blood color and that blood color and and you know whatever the little graphics are, but at what point do you does Tony Peterson decide I'm going to call in a dog I'm gonna to try to do something different. I'm backing out
4: uh if it's just something that oh this is gonna be hard to describe if it's if it's a situation where I can get somebody with a dog if I can get a dog out there easy, then man, they're so good. Like if you have that option, they're so good, but really for me, it's all like the thing that gives me the most anxiety, like that deer that my daughter hit, the thing that gave me the most anxiety anxiety with that was I was convinced it was a good shot until I was convinced it wasn't. And then I was standing in there in the pouring rain wondering like now i'm looking at the forecast going now you have to push it you dumbass, because you're standing here in a blood trail that's washing away and those situations where you're like i know i need to be patient now those are the hardest ones like those are the ones if you start getting that feeling where you're like i think we really need to give this some time that's when if you have a chance to call a guy with a dog you should probably call him
1: man and you (sighs) we could go on i think forever about that. Um, and I think every situation's different. So to our listeners who've listened, I, I shot one, a doe earlier this year, I had a pass through, I had red blood, pretty dark red blood on there. You know, was it liver? I don't know. Uh, I figured out a week or two later that no man's land is real. Um, but I, I don't know if I push that deer too much. I, I, Long story short is that in that situation, I needed on X to get the hell out of that property. Cause I didn't know where I was at. So it was, it was weird. I didn't have the rain, but I had a phone battery that was dying that I needed to get out. And I know that sounds so millennial and go ahead and bash me for it. But, um, I just, I didn't have another, I didn't have another option. Right. So I think every situation can be different. And I'm, I'm always just curious to hear how people handle that. And, um, Yeah, because everything's different. But you talked about patience, right? And Paul and I have talked about this. We've – leading up to this, we talked about it. Patience is a word that almost doesn't exist in today's society because we've got things like Amazon or movies you can download right to your TV, whatever, you know, app. Hell, the other – Back in the day, you had to go to the store to Sam Goody to get a CD, so you could listen to one song on, on off that disc. Right now, you can download it on your phone in two seconds. We don't have patience, but in hunting, everything is patience revolved. Right, we have to be patient for the season to open. Uh, once you get to the season, or you have, you know the patience and tuning in your bow, the patience and getting ready for the season, getting out into the woods, waiting in the woods. Hitting that deer, you know, once you draw back, you have to be patient to be ready for that shot to go, and then your mind's going a million miles a minute. But then you have to be patient to go find that deer. So, do you want to touch on the whole idea of just being patient in um, reading the shot? And, you know, a lot of times what we see of you is, is based with camera footage. So, there, it's real easy to go back and look in, from a stable camera and say, oh, I hit him there, or, you know, that's where it should be, you know, dying within a hundred yards, that kind of thing. Do you want to just talk about how you deal with patience and all of that? It's a huge topic. I get it. We don't have enough time, but basic ideas.
4: Dude, I think way beyond blood trailing, I think patience kills deer. And I mean, I, I really do. And I, I see this, you know, it's so easy to like bitch about people on public land, right. Or like people that hunt the same ground as you, but man, you know, we, we saw this out in South Dakota quite a bit where it was like, people would come out like an hour before shooting light was done or you'd see people walking out like 20 minutes before the end of legal light and you're like you're so damaging to this (laughs) like why why are you why are you doing this it's because you're not patient right like they're not patient and you see this you see this a lot in states with and i like i don't mean to like this is going to sound worse than i mean it but i've seen this with crossbow legalization in some of the states where people get a hold of them and they're like now i got a gun And I can walk around. I don't have to bow hunt and sit in a stupid tree anymore. I can go find one. I'm like, no, no, your weapon still functions like archery equipment. Like you'd be better off sitting. But the mindset is like, I'm just going to go make something happen. And you see it, you know, the hunting public type of stuff. And it's like, man, learning to let the deer come to you, like learning to find where deer like to walk and then being comfortable enough to put in the time for them to get there is the answer to most people's problems. And then on the blood trailing side, I mean, I, I wrote about this, but I'm, I'm a huge proponent of this. Like I hate blood trailing with almost everybody, like almost everybody I go on a blood trail with, I'm like, please be quiet. Please slow down. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like I'm always, it's the same thing. Like I, I talked about this too, with like pheasant hunting, everybody want, wants to go on that gang hunt with pheasants and bring their dog and have nine dogs and 12 people lined up and put the roosters up. And if you watch dog performance, in that situation, it sucks. Cause every dog's like, Holy shit, I got a bunch of competition. now. I got to get way ahead. Everybody's moving too fast. And the whole pacing changes because everybody wants to get there. When you get on a blood trail that starts to get like real pinprick blood. And like, you know, you're looking for blood on the sides of trees and saplings and stuff. And it's like getting, you know, like you're getting into nervous territory. It's getting spooky when you have even just one other person who's the wrong person, that whole experience is tanked and your chances of finding that deer go way down. Now, if you, if you get to a point where you're like, it's grid search time, then it's the more, the merrier. But when you're on blood and you're like, I think this deer is dead. And I think this deer is dead within, you know, 200, 400, 800 yards, whatever you you think the hit was. And the the evidence tells you that when you've got somebody else with you who isn't doing it right, or three or four buddies are like, just going to walk ahead. It's a disaster. Like it's better just to be, real slow and real patient
2: that's one of those like damn that's tough to hear because you just play things back in my you know I'm just playing things back in my mind or i'm like that might have been just slow down to speed up type of deal you know little patience might have found found a couple deer that i've looked for over the years you know
4: it's ex- it's just experience and yeah. it's it, when you lose one that you shouldn't lose that that's when things change, you know, like, uh, and, you know, I mean, you can make an argument that you shouldn't lose any that die, but you're like, it's going to happen sooner or later, but yeah. it's just a matter of experience and just thinking this thing through. Like there's no benefit if you're, if you're on a, you know, if you smoke them and through the heart and they ran a hundred yards and you're on an awesome blood trail, like whatever. Right. Like if that's what happened, whatever. But if you're on one where you're like, I don't know, Like, this felt like a liver or something, or this felt different, and I gave them five, six, seven, eight hours. There's, like, no benefit to going too fast and out driving your headlights. Like, you might as well just take it slow and figure it out.
1: Tony, you just said something there that really hit home, and and it's the idea of you don't really know it till you've been through it type of thing. And I think, all right, we're going to get philosophical, Paul, but that's a life lesson, right? And And it doesn't matter if you had a loved one that went through something that was, you know, sickness or whatever paul you and i looked for stronghand last year right we pushed that deer we shouldn't have pushed that deer right no. but now when somebody tells me they hit a deer and and i'm like the first thing i think of is do not push that deer don't bump them right but in the moment when you're excited and you're all jacked up all you want to do is go find that deer right it could be laying right on the other side of that ridge but you also could push it to the next county and that's so hard and it goes back to that patience thing to just chill out and relax a little bit and and you know good things come to those who wait maybe that is a virtue or true or whatever but uh... is there
2: is there ever a, a shot type a wound type on a on a deer that it's necessary to push that deer to, to force them to expire quicker or because that's some I've 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 gotten that information before from other people you need to push that deer go after that deer get them moving they're going to die quicker to keep their Dude, blood that, pumping
1: and all that yeah
4: that's a unicorn and I'm I'm even I'm hesitant to even talk about this because it's so rare
1: we can cut but it out
4: I I shot a buck so I think this was like 2012 or something I was in Nebraska and I was on these deer And they were moving through this kind of CRP stuff and a little bit of cedars, but I had no place to set up. So I had to like set up as close as I could, which wasn't that close, like maybe 150 yards away. And so I ended up putting out a decoy and I hardly ever do this. You know, it was on public land, like just not my style really. You know, there wasn't a gun season open or anything, but I was like, maybe these cruisers, they're going to see this and I can call them in. And it actually worked. And I called this buck in and on his way in, he was making all these rubs and these sumacs kind of fostering up and stuff, you know, and I shot that deer. And when I shot, my arrow went like, like corkscrewed there. And I could tell one of my veins had been ripped off or like had started to rip off, you know, and it hit that buck, just smacked him. And he reared back like a Mustang and took off down the bluff. And I was like, this is probably not going to go very well. <laughs> like, Just, I don't know where it hit. I don't know what happened. But I went over there and looked at the hit site. I'm like, there's blood all over. And so I'm like, maybe I got really lucky. And so I got my buddy who I was hunting with. And I don't remember how much time we gave it. It was a morning hunt. So I gave it some sometime, a couple hours. And we got down there and got to the bottom of the bluff and jumped that buck. And he ran across this little stream that runs through this property. And we got up. We were right by it when we jumped him. So we heard him splash through there. And I looked at the stream and you could see all the blood going down the stream. And I was like, "That I've never seen that like in my life. Right. And so, but in my head, I'm like, we just jumped him. So this is not good. So we sat there and waited and then, you know, sat there an hour and a half, whatever. I'm like, let's just see, you know, you're like you either do this or you hike all the way back to camp and come back and just like, I didn't know what to do. So we go sneaking in there you know, to look for this buck and the blood kind of starts drying up a little bit. And then we jumped him again and he ran, he kept running back toward camp. And when we jumped him that time, I could look and see we'd been following like drops of blood and I could see blood like sprayed out on the yellow grass. And I was like, I think when we moved this deer, he's bleeding hard. Like it, it, like the scenario you're talking about, it felt like that, but I'm like, this never happens. So anyway, we ended up catching up to that buck and I shot him again in his bed and that arrow had hit through the shoulder and warmed its way up into the back of his neck and all that muscle in there. And it looked like somebody had shot him with a slug up through his neck because that arrow broke off in there. Mm -hmm. So every time he moved, that shoulder was pushing that piece of full metal jacket up through his neck muscle. Disgusting, right? But that was a situation where that buck, every time he had to run was doing major damage to himself. And so, I'm not going to say it never happens, but I do not like the idea of pushing deer. Like even when I even when I was like I think this is the right idea, I'm like, I don't know, man. Yeah.
2: I mean, you only had that thought really after you had the perspective of of putting your hands on him when he was dead. I mean, I that's going to to your point, I mean, it's going to be really hard to to justify that move when you don't really know where you hit him.
4: Yeah. Well, so so a couple of things were working for us there, right? It was seeing the blood in the stream. The first time was like an eye opener, right? It was, it was just weird. I also knew we were on a great big chunk of public land and he was just heading deeper into it. So he was where I shot him was on the far end of this property. And he was like constantly angling his way back toward camp. So I'm like, he's not going to go, you know, if we jump that deer, he's not crossing a fence. He's going to stay where we can go. So that's a consideration, And it was just one of those wild things. But again, it was like that experience. Like if somebody else would have told me that story, I'd be like, oh man, I don't know. But when you live through it, you're like, it's possible that stuff happens.
1: When you talk about stories that people, you know, you you hear and you're like, eh, whatever. I don't know about that. One of the things I've dealt with this year is the idea of no man's land, right? It's real, right? And I've, I've done it at least once, maybe twice. And I, you know what? Come at, Again, come at me because I didn't practice enough or I'm not mentally capable. But I want to know um, because no man's land or, or, or just a misplaced shot is not uncommon for us average Joes. But Tony Peterson, who is Mr. Experience and has all that antler hanging on his wall there, Tony, what's the worst shot? And I'm not talking about a miss. Straight up miss is that's that's good to me because you didn't hurt hurt anything. Have you ever had a shot that didn't just kill that deer?
4: So you want to talk about no man's land. I was I was one of those people who was like, uh-uh, bro, there's there's no void. And then I shot a buck in Texas. I've told this story a whole bunch of times, but I shot a buck in Texas one time on a media hunt. This, this dude came in, I shot him, he ran 50 yards away and stopped and I could glass him and I could see blood coming out of his side. And I was like, I must've hit above the spine. It looked like could go either way. Right. But I was like, this is not good. He's just standing there and I can see blood like dripping out of his side. And on those hunts, if you draw blood, you're done. Like that's, that's your tag. Right. And so I'm like, first night, you know, like we're not, we didn't find that deer But, you know, it's a Texas feeder hunt. And so I asked the outfitter, I said, can I just sit there and hunt does and pigs? And if that buck comes back in, because he was real distinctive. He had a couple broken tines and stuff. And he goes, yeah, you know, go ahead. So the last morning of the hunt, I'm sitting there in the dark. They drop me off. And under the moonlight, you know, and I, I have deer like down there. It's just a different world. Like they're waiting for that feeder to go on. It's like stupid, right? And I've got these deer walking around in the dark. It's like I could kind of barely glass them. And I'm like, I think that's the buck, and it gets lighter and lighter and lighter. And I'm like, that's the buck that I shot. And so I ended up getting to shoot that buck when he when it got light out and he walked past me. And when I butchered that deer, when I brought it back, he had first off the amount he had healed from getting shot with a three blade muzzy through his ribs was incredible. Like it was so it was two days later. You could you could look at it. It looked like it had been sutured up. And when you pushed on it it would split a little bit and blood would come out, but it was like healed. Like, I mean, it was, it was an incredible level of healing for two days from getting an arrow shot through his chest. And then when I opened him up, that arrow had gone high through the ribs, but under the spine passed completely through and didn't kill him. He was there feeding two days later. So So it can happen.
1: No man's land is real.
4: Yeah. And it's amazing. The, the, The problem with it is, is like you so rarely get that chance, right? Like you so rarely get the chance to like, I think this is what I did. And then two days later, you know what you did. So a lot of times people backstrap them and they think it's void spot, you know, or they hit shoulder and they think it is, or you you know what I mean? Like sometimes it's not that hit that like kind of specific hit, but it can happen.
2: It's, it's so tough when that happens, man. I mean, we've, we've all, we've all done it and, and it's just frustrating as hell. You feel terrible. And, uh, I don't know, I'm still waiting on some redemption. I, I had a, a really, you know, just kind of unfortunate, uh, you know, archery hunt a couple of years ago on a really, really good mature buck that would have been the biggest one that I've ever killed. And, uh, i don't know I, I think i think i did everything wrong after after the shot and uh it still bothers me to this day honestly so
1: but you learned right yeah. that's that's the, that's what we're talking about you learn through all this stuff and yeah move on yeah I mean so Andrew, do you have anything else
2: good tony w- tony what do you got planned uh hunt wise for the rest of the year it sounds like you've got uh a ton of stuff coming your way
4: uh i'm gonna take my other, well, I got one daughter that killed a, a buck this year and the one that hit the one and that, that one that she hit, we actually just started getting pictures of it again, which is, Oh,
2: so it survived. Wow.
4: Yeah. Awesome. I, you know, my, my impression of that when we were blood trailing and then we jumped it, I was like, it was way too far forward and you could see it on the pictures. Um, but he's, he's still out there, which is awesome. So good, that makes you happy because you don't get proof of life very
2: often. Yeah.
4: Um, so anyway, we're going, we're going back for a little redemption as well. Uh, this weekend and then i haven't decided yet but it's really bothering me that i still have that south dakota tag in my pocket and i left that big buck down there so i might next week skip out for a few days and go battle it out with the pheasant hunters and see if i can i can get a deer down there and then it'll be minnesota and wisconsin and then i'm going to be chasing roosters so yeah
2: there you go so to to end this show tony give us one non-quota space
4: fact to end this episode oh man where do we even
1: Hey, just you but, hey. You want to know what? But I don't want. I don't want to steal your thunder. My six-year-old told me the other day that the our Earth re- revolves around the sun. So don't take he's that right. one.
4: Okay. He's actually right. So do you know how big space is, guys?
1: No idea. Absolutely how no big? idea. big? So
4: <laughs> do you know how close the sun is to us? Did your son tell you that? Yeah, he he's got pea brain. No. <laughs> Ninety-three million miles. Okay. Okay. Pretty far, right? Yeah. Do you Know what the next closest star to us is?
2: Oh god. I, I'm gonna just throw out an, I'm gonna say a trillion miles. No idea. Andrew? I guess five light years, whatever that is.
1: <laughs> I don't even know what the next closest star is, let it's, alone so, how far it's, it
4: is it's almost yeah. five light years. Wow, so, look at that. Yeah, it's a little over four light years, so it's twenty five trillion miles away from us.
2: I twenty five trillion. And my first, I so, wasn't even
4: so, close. Hold on, guys. So now think about this. The star that we circle around there that your son yeah. talked about? That's 93 million miles away. The next closest one to us is 25 trillion miles away.
2: That's insane. And just think we can see those stars in the, in the sky. That's amazing. And how does that star
1: affect deer movement? Uh, (laughs) just as well as the moon
2: does. (laughs) There you go. Just as well as the moon does. Tony, thank you so much for, uh, for your time today, man, for your knowledge, your experience. We really appreciate you. And, uh, Hopefully we can get you on for episode four at some point. So
4: I got to beat gauge here. I love yeah. it. But listen,
2: <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair enough. Gage Hall. We told him your story. Uh, yeah. You are two, three time interviewees, Tony Peterson, Gage Hall. So Tony, thanks for your time. Appreciate really, yeah, it.
4: Man. Thanks guys. Thanks.
2: Good talk.